Welcome to the Natural Health Rising podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. Hello. Do not skip this intro. I repeat, do not skip this intro because I'm going to give you even more tips before you dive into this episode. And they are actually really important because we did not get to talk about them, my guest and I, in this episode. And if you've been listening to my podcast or following me on social media for a while, you most likely have heard me talk about mold illness and the dangers of mold. And this is for many reasons, like why I'm so passionate about this topic and why I work with people who have this is because mold played a role in my personal health challenges and my loved one's health challenges. And I often find it as the hidden root cause for so many of my clients. And a lot of times this is, this is my clients who have been to two, three, four, five different healthcare practitioners, functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, they've done all the things, yet they're still experiencing health problems. And I mean, within me just asking them a few questions, I can very quickly tell if somebody is dealing with mold. And now I've helped many clients um, get mold out of their bodies and reverse symptoms of autoimmune diseases because of this to get rid of chronic pancreatitis, chronic headaches, hormone problems, and so on. So I think that this is a really, really important thing for people to understand. However, although you've heard me talk about this a few times probably, this is the first time I've been able to deliver this type of information about mold inspection and how to address mold in your environment And today I am talking to a true expert in the field of mold inspection and mold remediation or removal. Honestly, even I learned some very interesting things today that I know for a fact you will find extremely valuable that you can take with you for the rest of your lives and apply it to every single place you live in, including your current home. And you can take action on this stuff today. So something that we didn't get to touch on in this episode is how mycotoxins or the mold toxins can actually be carried with you when you move to a new location. So here's an example. Let's say you find out that you have mold in your home or apartment, and this is making you or another one of your family members or loved ones very sick. Remediation or the removal of mold from your place is very costly. And also, if you live in an apartment, a lot of times you can't control this, so you won't be able to remediate the mold. You'll have to move into a new place. So instead of removing the mold, remediating, you decide to move. But when you do so, you're taking your belongings with you, right? The tricky part is that those belongings are almost uh, confirmed that they are going to be very contaminated with mold and toxins. So what do you do? Well, you could buy all new belongings, which would be the absolute best thing, honestly. Now, this is a bit crazy though, right? It's going to cost you a lot of money. 
But sometimes if the exposure was bad enough, you should consider getting new items of things that are porous, things like your bedding, your furniture, you know, those porous items where the toxins can actually really get into versus something that is, let's say a desk that's hard that you can physically clean. That would be a different story. Another option is to have an expert come and fog your home. Now it's important that you use the right fogging mixture. Brandon, today's guest, uh, he was telling me something offline after we finished recording the episode about um, like a hydrogen peroxide and commercial grade vinegar mixture that he would use to fog with. So you would want to make sure that you hire somebody like Brandon who knows what they're doing, is going to use the right mixture. And um, this mixture specifically has something to do with being able to get into some of those porous materials as well. There are also some other products out there that you can use for yourself to help with these things. Um, I've personally used a company called Microbalance to help clean some of my belongings. I'd really love it if you specifically use the link in the show notes to if you're going to go look up Microbalance because this actually helps support the podcast and all the hard work that I put into this the show for you guys. Um, but the thing I like about Microbalance is that they are non-toxic products and they're really easy to use. And the, there's a couple things I would recommend. The one product I would recommend getting is their laundry cleaner, because again, your clothing is going to pick up the mold and mold toxins as well and bring them into that new environment. And all of our clothing are porous, right? Um, you also could consider some of their foggers, their sprays, candles, and other items. Now, I still definitely recommend hiring someone as amazing as Brandon to come take care of your needs. But if you want a backup option or you want to get some of their products, that's my recommendation. And I do also really like the, the second products that I really like is that they have nasal sprays, nose sprays, nasal rinse options. Anybody who has had mold exposure should look into this and use this because we do breathe in the mycotoxins. And this is why people get headaches, sinus issues, and allergies, because these toxins are going into the sinuses. You need to actually kill those and clear those out properly. So go check out this company by heading to the link in the show notes. And you will also learn about ways to prevent mold in your home in this episode and I think that what we talk about in this episode makes the absolute most sense, is the way to go, and everybody needs to listen to this to understand how to prevent mold, because you'll hear how Brandon explains how every home has mold to a certain extent, and it's a, only a matter of time until that mold becomes um, like overgrown and toxic, pretty much. And you'll learn about why that is. However, we don't need to just worry about the mold environmentally in the home, but there are actually a lot of other pollutants from things like our home furnish furnishings, so carpeting, furniture, the paint on the walls. These things can actually off-gas pollutants, and then we inhale them. And this off-gassing is happening on a constant basis at a, a very low level that we're constantly being exposed to. Unless you built your home and, and added furnishings and paints and carpetings and all these things, um, going with a very non-toxic route and, the, and you know about all of that stuff and how to pick the right products that are non-toxic, then you most likely are being exposed to these things. 
So to support having cleaner air, I recommend that you add in some hypo air purification systems throughout your home or even use their whole home HVAC unit if you own your home. So their products actually can kill viruses and bacteria on surfaces, and they're effective against other allergens, fine particulates, formaldehyde, air pollution, and other chemical gases. You can find a link to them as well in the show notes. And um, what's great is that I have a discount code for them. So it's Natural Health Rising, and you can save an additional 10% on any of their products And they're always doing really amazing deals, especially around Black Friday and Labor Day and Christmas and all these holidays. And you can actually always stack that discount code with their their sales. So you can sometimes get up to like 30% or more off of their products. And if you have any questions about any of this, feel free to send me an email or a message on Instagram is a really good way to contact me. And my Instagram is at naturalhealthrising. I also want to quickly remind you that if you are experiencing mold illness and you're looking for a functional medicine practitioner to help you heal on your mold illness journey, then please reach out to me because this is a large population of the clients that I work with. Okay, now for today's incredible guest, Brandon Faust. So Brandon is a visionary owner and founder of Mold Solutions, an industry-leading indoor air quality company specializing in top-tier remediation, atomized sanitization, and duct cleaning services. Driven by a personal journey rooted in his commitment to health and healing, Brandon's dedication stems from witnessing his own family struggle with unexplained chronic illness. With a heartfelt mission to address these widespread health concerns, he has become a beacon of hope for countless individuals in search of answers. In an astonishingly short span of just one and a half years, Brandon has propelled Mold Solutions from a dynamic startup to a thriving enterprise, boasting a highly skilled team of 15 dedicated staff members. Brandon's exceptional accomplishments An unwavering commitment has garnered well-deserved recognition. In 2021, he was honored with the prestigious Inc. 5000 Award and propelled the company to an impressive number 377 ranking on the list. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. And, you know, I was looking at everything that you've already done and um, the type of topics that you cover. And it's definitely right along the lines of stuff that um, I have a strong connection with. So I'm great. I'm grateful that you're having me on the phone, um, on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to have you because for two reasons, one mold problems are near to my heart because I've had a lot of health problems because of living in moldy places. And also I deal with a lot of clients who we wind up finding mold on their test results and that has a massive impact on their health. And you have your own story about your family and yourself going through some chronic health problems uh, prior to starting Mold Solutions. So I would love to hear a little bit more about what was happening at that time in your life. Absolutely. So my first, um, you know, basically running into mold, my wife actually wanted to get a mold test when we moved to, to Florida. Mm-hmm. And initially I was like, I'm not interested. Why would we do that? I'm from the West Coast. It just didn't make sense to me, you know, and um, 
lo and behold, I really should have done that. And I think everybody should do that. But at the time, I kind of blew it off, didn't want to pay the extra expense for another inspection after all the different inspections and costs for buying a new home, Mm -hmm. you know. And then she was um, she was pregnant at the time. And, um, you know, fast forward a little bit and a buddy of mine asked me to get involved with his, you know, new venture that he was taking on. He was going to start running a, a mold company. And initially I turned him down and then he said, well, look, you know, there's equity involved if you want to get involved. So I said, okay, well, that sounds a little bit more exciting to me. And I started doing the training certification, et cetera. Fast forward a few more months. My son is born a month into it. He starts waking up um, almost having like an asthma attack, struggling to breathe. And this happened three days in a row. So Mm. for us, that was she was definitely freaking out. I was starting to freak out, but I said, look, before we take him to the emergency room, I just want to see if there's anything environmental that could be occurring because of the training and certification I'd just been, you know, involved in. So I started looking and I got into the room where the um, air conditioning unit, the the air handler was located, the furnace. And um, I moved this one shelving system and there was two feet of mold growing up it and then two mm-hmm. feet wide. So it was a huge amount of mold on this one shelving system on the back of it hidden. And it was because of a leak that we didn't know about. Um, My mom had come to visit because of the baby and she was taking a shower every day, of course. And there was a pinhole leak. So whenever she was showering, water was just kind of coming down the wall and then wicking up the furniture. And it being in the same room where the air handler was located, it was then taking that moldy air in that toxic pool air and distributing it throughout the entire house. So once we handled the leak, removed the contaminated material um, and did a whole home sanitization the next day, he slept an hour longer and he had no trouble breathing. Wow. So that, so that was really my first moment where I was like, Oh, wow, this is actually important. You know, this, this is something that can make a difference in people's lives. Um, And it definitely made me more thorough in regards to the, you know, environmental consultations that I was doing and the inspections that I was doing and looking in places that, you know, mold would want to hide. And then mm-hmm. fast forward a um, couple years <clears throat> and I was sick. I was getting a fever every month. I was um, fatigued. Um, I was waking up with joint pain. I, mm-hmm. um, you know, had a pain in my chest that would not go away. Like it was crazy how it was just like this constant pain. And I was taking a supplement, Spanish black radish. It was the only thing that was basically kind of giving me any sort of relief at all. It's like a drainage supplement. Mm -hmm. And I thought it might be mold related. And I ended up doing a a mycotoxin test from a company called Great Plains Laboratory. So myco is the Greek word for fungus, you know, toxin, something poisonous. So they, it's a simple urine test. And I came back like off the charts, like high was five to 50 and I was at 1,240 or something like that. Like I was Mm -hmm. like, and I, I thought it might be from going into other people's moldy homes because I didn't smell anything. I didn't see anything. You know, there was no indication. And I was even a little bit suspicious. I popped a baseboard in my master bedroom. There was nothing there. So I thought I was in a safe zone. And then six months later, that same AC overflowed through um, the condensation drain backing up. And I had um, continuous flooring in my home. So I was removing it and replacing it. And I get to the master bedroom and I pop a baseboard and there's a toxic mold called catomium. 
that was behind the baseboard. So the one area I looked in, it wasn't, but three fourths of the room it was. And then mm. I decided to open up the walls and sure enough, it was two feet of mold, a mold called Aspergillus um, penicillium, right? They classify it as the same mold because they can't tell the difference. So I had these, basically these two molds fighting it out in my bedroom where I thought it was a safe zone and it was actually a biological warfare zone. And these mycotoxins, because they are so tiny, get pulled through the nooks and crannies and crevices and the gaps where it's not properly sealed. And then you are inhaling it throughout the night, or I was inhaling it throughout the night. Mm -hmm. And um, within three weeks of finding this and removing it, all my symptoms went away. And, you know, interesting enough, I just recently did another mycotoxin test with that same company. They now changed their name to Mosaic, um, Mosaic Diagnostics, I believe. Um, yeah. And all, all my levels had tremendously dropped, although I am a little bit high in a couple mycotoxins, but it probably comes along with the territory because I'm constantly in moldy homes. And even though I'm wearing a mask, the masks mm -hmm. only do so much, you know, in terms of protection. So, yeah, that's the that's basically, you know, how I became so passionate about it and really knowing that this was something that made a people's you know, made a difference in people's lives, which is, is something that I feel really connected with. It's important to me that if I'm going to do something, I'm making a I'm helping people. Yeah. Wow. That's um amazing that you had the tools and knowledge to be able to go investigate this stuff and figure it out in that time frame. So a lot of people out there don't even know about this, which is why we're doing this podcast episode to educate everybody. Um, can you share a little bit more about what else mold can do to our health? Well, look, the, the scope is wide because mm -hmm. it's going to impact where your immune system is weakest. And some of the the aspects of it, you know, there's different, you know, syndromes that they've called it now. It's like mast cell activation syndrome or chronic inflammation response syndrome or, you know, SIRS or CMAS. And they have these different labels for it. But ultimately, you know, when you're taking in a foreign invader into the body, right, similar to like if you get bit by a mosquito or stung by a bee, what happens, right? There's, and for some people, it can be really like if they have a, an allergic reaction, their whole hand or body part can swell up massively. For other people, it might just be some redness and some swelling. Well, similar to that, what, what's happening? They're taking in a foreign invader and the histamines start going, they start releasing. So that's where you get that chronic inflammation response syndrome or mast cell activation syndrome where that histamine release is intense. So depending on each individual and what their allergies might be, similar to somebody who, you know, for some people, penicillin, that that antibiotic, which derives from the mold, penicillin, it can be a lifesaver because it is fighting, you know, it's, what is it? It's an antibiotic, anti-life, mm -hmm. right? And it's letting out enough stuff to kill the bacteria, you know, but for some people, it can actually kill the person if they have an allergic reaction to it. Mm -hmm. So similarly, each person is going to have their own, you know, response. And depending on, you know, for some people, they might even have a um, genetic uh, gene uh, deficiency or mutation that prevents them from being able to detox the same way. And it could be a lot more difficult for them to heal than for other people. I think it's about 20, 25% of the population that has that gene mutation, mm -hmm. if you will. So 
you know, but what, uh, what am I hearing about on a, you know, daily basis, headaches, joint aches, uh, upper respiratory issues, like asthma type reactions. Um, you know, they rashes, hives, you know, when I, when I was just traveling and I was in UK, I walked into a, a hotel room and it was so musty that I was like, I can't, I can't stay here. You know, I was in there for 10 minutes and an hour later, my arms were itching and, you know, mm -hmm. I was like having an allergic reaction, you know? And so maybe for somebody they could sleep in there and they would be okay. But for me, I definitely had a reaction, you know? So it is different from person to person. And I mean, you can even have like mood swings, depression, you know, mental issues that come along with it. There's a neuro disruptor aspect of mold mm -hmm. in the mycotoxins because they're so tiny and it does impact the, they have a natural affinity to the most fatty part of the body, which is the, the brain for many people. And, you know, it interrupts that communication that is supposed to take place. So you have a lot of times, if you look at like the mycotox profile from um, the mosaic, and it's talking about what it's linked to, I mean, you have things like Alzheimer's, um, Parkinson's, dementia, uh, even cancer. So I think that, you know, mold toxicity, mold exposure is one of the most underestimated and underdiagnosed causes of physical ailments in the world today. I mean, that's my viewpoint on it. And this is coming from somebody who, you know, when I first moved to Florida seven years ago, you know, like most guys, honestly, just blew it off. It's not a big deal, you know, and mm -hmm. sure enough, it, it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I've seen with my clients, I've seen some really crazy things improve by identifying molds and helping them get it out of their body. I've seen clients a couple clients with chronic pancreatitis restore their pancreas function from getting rid of mold. Um, lots of autoimmune diseases going into remission like scleroderma and lupus and Hashimoto's. Like it's, it's so wild how many things are out there. And like you said, it, it can manifest as a variety of illnesses, symptoms, and, and so on. Um, but outside of health symptoms, what about inside of an environment? How can people start to identify if they have mold? Are there certain signs that they should look for? Well, one thing I tell people, number one, if it's musty, it's moldy. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of sort of your first thing. If it is musty, it is moldy. Now, with that said, just because it's not musty doesn't mean that it's not moldy. You know what I mean? Because you just need to know that, yes, it's getting enough water. It's it's actually germinating. It's sporulating. It's releasing the, um, you know, the micro, microbial volatile organic compounds when it's got enough water. It's going through its cycle of repopulating, re, re you know, growing in different places. But just because you're not smelling something doesn't mean that it's not there. Just like in my master bedroom. I had no real indication that there was an issue. It was just how I was feeling that was the biggest indication that there was an issue somewhere in close proximity to me because it had been six months of problems that were mysterious. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things that you need to pay attention to. If you leave your home for a week and all of a sudden some of the things that are your normal chronic feelings that are not non-optimum, if you leave and those improve, 
well, there's a good chance it's in your home. There's something going on that is triggering that in your home. So <clears throat> beyond that, you know, I think that, you know, it's interesting when, you know, I'm talking about UK because I just got back from there, but they don't have the central heating and air conditioning like we do. They have radiators, right? right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever they're called. That basically, um, it's a different system of heating. Let's put it that way. And mm-hmm. in Florida, everybody has central heating and air, um, unless you have the wall units, which are really bad too. But in the central heating and air, especially when we're constantly using them and it get the temperature differential is so high, you mm-hmm. get condensation, which means there's a chronic source, there's a continual source of water. And th- they're basically like manufacturing plants for mold. And there's mm-hmm. a particular mold um, called cladosporium that actually thrives in lower temperatures. So it loves the AC unit and the coils and the blower wheel and the box above the the furnace or the air handler that connects the ducts to the box. It loves that space because it is cold and wet. But once it starts going and it starts building its colony there, it starts in you know infiltrating and infesting your unit. It can be that mold and that spore and that mycotoxin can be all throughout your house. You know, mm-hmm. so you'll see it like discoloration in the grout, discoloration in the window seals. Now, most people are like, oh, do I have a leak in my window seal or do I have a leak in my shower? And in some cases they may, but the majority of the time, it's actually the condensation and where it's wet, especially when you have a shift in temperature and it gets cooler and drier outside for the three months here in Florida where that happens, where it actually will start colonizing in any place where there's moisture buildup. And that that does happen around, you know, December, January, February, where it gets cooler and drier. And that moisture that's been building up in the house is now trying to get outside or the Mm -hmm. actual material itself is hitting dew point. So water droplets are now uh, collecting on it. But it's been building up. The source is actually in the air conditioning unit where it's been building up for the last however many months and potentially years. Is there a way that somebody can prevent that from happening or the mold from colonizing? If this is happening every year all the time, how can we address that? So, you know, similar, like I'm a little bit skeptical, which sometimes makes it hard for me to come to, you know, an understanding on subjects or kind of go like, oh, wow, that's actually the solution. So I was pretty skeptical of the UV lights uh, initially. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do these even work? You know, and um, there was a home that we had treated and had all the air conditioning units replaced at the same time. It was a massive home and there was five units. And out of the five, well, every single one of them got these purifying devices, like whole home purifying devices that plug into the the box that sits on the air handler. Mm -hmm. And that was a good move. And then, but out of the five, two of them did not get a UV light uh, right next to the blower wheel, you know, so the UV will actually kill microbial life, whatever it's hitting or touching, it will basically just break it down and destroy it. So out of the two units that didn't get that UV light on the blower blower wheel, which is a thing that spins really quickly and distributes the cold air throughout the house, um, it was infested. It was overgrown with mold within two years. Literally, we handled the home in 2019. Within 2021, we're getting called back. And the two units that didn't get the UV light were full of mold and then distributing it out 
throughout the master bedroom and also the theater room. So at that moment in time, I was like, wow, these UV lights are actually really important and something that you need to stay on top of. So yes, getting a purifying device that plugs into the plenum, but having a UV light minimally on the blower wheel and potentially one on the coils as well is going to help to prevent that microbial life from starting to form in your unit. And I, I hate to say it, but in many cases, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, but there are actions that you can take to prevent it. And then the other aspect that might kind of just kind of knock it out of the park in terms of preventing it is uh, hooking up like a whole home dehumidifier to your HVAC system. Because that's going to pull that water out of the air and drain it outside. So it makes it so the the airflow throughout your unit and your ducts is it's much drier. So the mold doesn't have uh, enough water droplets to start growing and forming in the first place. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've heard a lot of people say sometimes, oh, I'm, I'm just going to get my ducts cleaned. I mean, is that helpful? Does that not really address the, the root of the issue? It's a great question. And it's one of these things that there's conflicting information on. Mm-hmm. So duct cleaning alone to me is a mistake. I think that just doing duct cleaning, you are, because mold is a living, breathing organism. So when you attack it or you uh, agitate it, it goes into defense mode. Just like any living, breathing organism. You know, you attack a dog, it's going to bite you. You know, you Mm -hmm. go, you know, step in a snake pit and start stopping. You're definitely going to get bitten. So similarly, if you go in and you have a bunch of mold in your ducts, that's number one, it's already been releasing mycotoxins and spores that entire time. So how do you address what's inside the building envelope? and where the ducts are actually impacting that is leaving its mark, if you will. But how do you address that? And not only that, now you're going to agitate it and stir it up. So what do you do? Well, the best solution always is remove and replace. That is always the best solution. But at times, economically, it might not be feasible to Mm -hmm. replace all the ducts. So what do you do? Well, number one, you want to do a whole home, like you want to address the entire building envelope and all the machinery that goes along with it. So I would say you would do coil cleaning, you would do blower wheel cleaning, you would do a plenum refresh, you would brush the ducts, you would sanitize the ducts with a um, with a product that breaks down mold spores and mycotoxins. And then you would do a whole home sanitization as well with a similar non-toxic product that actually will break down mycotoxins and spores. And then to top it off, you would do like a full pepivac and wipe down of the surfaces and contents. And some of that might be economically unfeasible, but some of that you can do on your own with the proper products after the professionals have handled what you're not going to have the equipment and um, whatnot to, to handle. Like let the professionals handle the more difficult stuff, but with the cleaning aspect of it, anybody can be thorough in cleaning. So you would take a microfiber rag and use a product like uh, Decon 30, which is a thyme oil, you know, or uh, potentially like a white vinegar or, you know, a concentrated vinegar 
the the vinegar helps to break down the actual uh, spore itself, right? Or you can even use like a Dawn uh, dish soap, you know, which is a with an antimicrobial um, as well on the the wipe down and using. Um, you know, ideally, you would use like a HEPA vacuum, which is high efficiency particulate air filter, and not just a HEPA vacuum that like attaches to a shop vac and then you put a HEPA filter, but like a real HEPA vacuum. It's a smart investment for any home, especially with people who have sensitivities to mold to make sure that those allergens and indoor contaminants are actually removed. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. I, if I lived in Florida, I would hundred percent hire you guys. <laughs> um, so before we get to the cleaning part, someone needs to test and search for mold in their home, right? So a lot of times people want to go the cheap route and that is just of trying course. to order like a random at home kit. And I, I see problems with that, but I'd love for you to explain like, why is it so important for a professional to come and test and search for mold? Um, versus someone just doing a kit at home by themselves? Or is there a time and place for somebody to use some sort of at-home kit? Well, this is what I'll tell you. Um, I have never seen a better inspector than a mom, (laughs) right? The mother's intuition and a mother trying to protect her children is like some of the best inspection that's ever going to take place because she's going to look through every nook, cranny, crevice, and inch of that home. Mm-hmm. Now, the where does the professional come in? The professional, and what I will say is that sometimes you can hire a professional who does not have a health-centric leaning, and they're more what we would say, just like people that go and put a um, like a a pump, which is what basically they are. They're almost like a little suction pump that pulls air through the this machine. And then it's called a sport cassette or sport trap, which interesting enough, the sport traps don't pick up mycotoxins. So you can have mold that is releasing mycotoxins and the mycotoxin is small enough to get through the gap and the spores might be heavier. So they're on the ground, but you actually do have a toxic substance that you're inhaling. So the the spore traps are not a great measurement. They're about 70% inaccurate. So the inspector goes in and puts a pump in the middle of the room and, you know, sends it off to the lab. The lab says, oh, there's no problem here, which is exactly what happened in my room. I did that and I thought I was clean, but sure enough, no, there's a, there's actually a problem hidden behind the walls, you know, because it's a snapshot in time. So you need to make sure that your inspector is health centric and understands that you might want to do like cavity samples where you actually get a little tube and you connect that to the pump and you, you know, drill a little hole into the wall and you're testing behind the walls, you know, Mm. or most importantly, knowing what to look for and where to look, like where are the different hot spots and what does, because you can have a colony of mold on the side of furniture that is a white mold that you don't even see it's like almost like a film and if you don't hit it with a certain uh, with a light in a certain direction you can miss it entirely or it can be i remember one home that i went into where the lady had chronic headaches migraines that were like debilitating for two years Mm -hmm. and she couldn't figure out what was going on 
And I just, she asked me to take my shoes off when I came into the house, which I had obviously no problem with, which was such a good move because when I walked into her master bedroom, the carpet felt just a little tiny bit wet. Mm. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So then I looked under the bed and she had these wooden slats and she had a full colony mm. of aspergillus underneath her bed. Right. Oh my gosh. So she, so she had the slab, which is like four to six inches. Can if it, if the vapor barrier below it has deteriorated, or if the contractor didn't put a vapor barrier in the first place, it, the, that concrete will pull moisture from the ground, from the earth, capillary action, and you can have a moisture, and then the carpet is creating like almost like a sponge, so that humidity level can be high enough in the room that mold mm-hmm. will start growing at sixty percent humidity, mm-hmm. and if there's not proper ventilation, you know, preventing the mold from you know, actually setting up a colony if the if there's not enough airflow, then you can get them. Once it starts growing, it starts growing and growing exponentially faster, right? Because it's releasing more and more spores and it's got a nice environment. So that's exactly what took place there. So, you know, it's definitely knowing where to look and what to look for, I think is the most important thing. And then using a series of tests like a panel of tests, air sampling, direct sampling, and potentially even doing like a, um, there's different tests that test for mycotoxin and the historical data of the home, like um, the dust test is a great one that tests for mycotoxins. Uh, and I think you can find that on the dust, the dust test.com. But, you know, there's other tests like the ERMI, the Hertz me, the Emma, you know, that are more sensitive type tests that are also more expensive and they take longer to develop. But, you know, if you think about it from the perspective of you're about to go on a journey of healing, you know, this could be debilitating. You're going to be paying for treatments that in a lot of cases are not uh, cheap and they're not inexpensive. Spend the money up front to find out and make sure that your home is safe and healthy. And if it's not, what it's going to take to actually get it to that spot get it back to a safe and healthy home. Mm -hmm. This is such good information for people. It, but it's a lot. So if somebody is, you guys are in Florida. So obviously if people are in Florida, they can access you. But if somebody doesn't live in Florida and they're trying to find a mold inspector, are there certain questions that they can ask over the phone to make sure that when these people come, they're going to do some of these things? Sure. Number one, I would ask like, okay, good. Can you tell me what your inspection entails? What is it? Can you walk me through your process? What are you going to do? So um, I would ask them if they understand mycotoxins Mm -hmm. and ask them to name a few. Ocrotoxin A, Tintrin, you know, uh, Trichothecine. See if they actually even understand what a mycotoxin is, you know. Um, Do they have you know, I think that the personal experience and having you or one of your loved ones go through mold exposure or mold toxicity can make a difference in terms of being thorough. But just because somebody is saying that doesn't necessarily mean that they're legit. Because I've mm-hmm. run into people and unfortunately, you know, talk about their experience and they're going to be providing 
you know, like mold-free homes for people that are going through this. Mm -hmm. And then we've gone and done inspections, you know, for the client because they're still not healing in those homes. And they were, they had a lot of mold. And it was like Mm -hmm. really kind of disheartening to see that people might do that, you know, that they're taking advantage of people that really are going through a difficult time needing to heal and putting them in a home that they're not going to ever heal because it's full of, you know, various different species of mold, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're looking for that care factor, that sincerity, that, that knowledge, the understanding of um, mycotoxins, mold exposure. Um, Are they thorough? I think that that's probably your most important indicator. And also you yourself holding them accountable for, okay, are you going to be doing direct sampling? Are you going to be doing air samples? Uh, what about mycotoxin tests? And, but also realize that if they're charging you like 350, they're probably not going to be the inspector that you want, especially if you're on a mm-hmm. journey of healing, because the amount of time, effort, energy that goes into it, plus the cost of the developing of the tests you know, you're looking at a, a bit more of a, a pricey, um, you know, test or inspector, to be honest with you. Like if it's, if it's between 750 and a thousand, you're probably, you know, in a range of somebody who is fairly competent, but some of the best ones, the best inspectors, you know, like we have a company here in Tampa, like certified mold assessors, you know, they're, you know, usually two to three K on a, on a normal house, but they're usually there for the full day and they're doing a host of, uh, sampling. And, you know, there's also, um, Brian Carr with, we inspect, I mean, these guys Mm -hmm. are not cheap, right. But they are Mm -hmm. extremely, extremely thorough. So, you know, you, you want to, and I think that one of the key things that will give you an idea as to whether or not you have a proper inspector is, how many questions are they asking you before they start their process? Because mm-hmm. before those inspectors even come out to your house, they're usually doing like a 30 minute to an hour interview of you trying to get the history of the home, trying to get an understanding of what has taken place in your home. You know, so at Mold Solutions, like we don't, you know, we offer a free environmental consultation, but this is really a cursory sort of overview, but in many ways, it's actually even better than what you would get from a normal inspector because we are constantly handling mold. So we know where to look and we know where to find it. So although we won't use the actual sampling and we push that out to other inspectors to do the sampling, we can do a, because in Florida, you can't do the inspection and then do the remediation on the same home. It's considered to be a conflict of interest. You know, so and there's a number of states that have a similar um, arrangement where you can't do the testing and you can't do the remediation. But what we can do is a free environmental consultation or like a water damage assessment where we're going and looking at different places where there might be water intrusion. We're using meters like moisture meters. We're using thermal imaging to check for water intrusion issues. And then if we find stuff that is concerning or suspicious, then we would have an independent mold inspector sample that so we get an idea of what species it is mm-hmm. how much is there what's going on but in many ways because we've been trained on that thoroughness it helps us to find it and it's a to me a superior 
system. But to answer your question, what do you look for? Somebody who's going to be thorough, somebody who's asking you a lot of questions, somebody who understands mycotoxins, somebody who understands the health aspect of, of mold and is, um, you know, I've had old school inspectors. Like, I can't even believe this. This was one inspector that we started to use. And we're like, hey, you didn't open up the AC system and test the uh, HVAC for, mm -hmm. for mold. Why would we? Every system in Florida has mold. It's going to, it's usually there. So, you know, the EPA doesn't even recommend it. And we're like, uh, that mold, Cladosporium, is toxic. It releases a mycotoxin. It can cause a host of physical problems. So you just brush it off because some alphabet agency is saying, oh, don't test for it or it's not a big deal. Like, I'm sorry, who do you work for? <laughs> you work for the client and you work to make sure that their home is as safe and healthy as possible. You know, so you got to find people that and, you know, there was a inspector that I had run into early on where there was mold on the vents. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's normal. That's no big deal. And it was that same mold. It's cladosporum. I'm like, normal? But just because the common cold is normal doesn't mean it's fun to experience and it doesn't gonna, it's not going to impact your health. And you take mm -hmm. actions to keep yourself healthy and uh, immune to it. So, um, you know, it's really what is the mindset of the person that you're dealing with and where, where are they at? What's their purpose for what they're doing? Okay. And understanding it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, incredible information. Um, you just mentioned something that reminded me of my next question, which is, is there any level of mold or any type of mold that would be considered safe by your guys' standards? So I'm going to say like, there's no mold that is a good mold to uh -huh. have in your home. Okay. Right. That's, that's number one. Um, are there some molds that are considered to be more toxic than others? Uh -huh. Considered? Yes. Like stachybotrys, which is a black mold. Uh, catomium, which, you know, there's molds that might have more poisonous substances. But for example, mm -hmm. cladosporium for many years has been classified as like an allergenic mold, which means you have allergenic, pathogenic, toxic. Well, we just recently found out that through, you know, a research project where we're kind of going into like, you know, Google Scholar documents and, oh, guess what? Cladosporium actually does release a mycotoxin. And some of the problems that it can create could be life-threatening. Oh, and this has been classified as an allergenic mold. Mm -hmm. uh, man, we are so missing the boat. And I think that realistically, uh, it's important for your listeners and for anybody truly to understand that I think that this, it, we're in the infancy stages of the understanding of the problems that mold can create. I think it's probably because we, because the homes are getting tighter and more energy efficient, you know, and they breathe less. So we're getting mm. less fresh air makeup, right? Uh, and we're kind of recycling contaminated air. There, It's going to be more and more of a problem, not to mention the materials that we're building with is different, you know, mm. like plaster, Mold does not like plaster as much as it likes drywall, right? The There's a pH balance different between plaster and drywall, and it loves drywall, mm -hmm. you know, but just because, for example, I saw many homes and buildings in the UK that were had stone and there was mold growing 
on the stone, there was enough moisture coming through and the dampness was there that it's growing on stone because what happens is it creates a biofilm, which is dirt, dust, other organic matter, hair, skin cells, et cetera. And it will start colonizing on that biofilm on the surface. And you walk into the area and it's sure enough, it's full, it's musty. And then you start looking and it's got a bunch of mold, you know? So yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> it's a, it's an interesting thing for sure in terms of knowing how important the subject is and where we're at in uh, the infancy stages. So are there certain molds that are more toxic than others? Yes. What are the safe levels? Cause it is also true that every home is going to have some mold spores. Mm. So you can go, every home has mold. Well, there's colonized mold, there's mold spores, and then there's the mycotoxins that the colonized mold produces. So Let's see. So will every home have some mold spores? Yes, we open doors and sometimes we open windows, which is not a good idea if you're in a humid climate, right? Because that humid air with the mold spores will rush into your home. And then if they get enough dampness, they can start colonizing. But yes, there will be some levels of mold spores. Now, they've used the yardstick. Well, if there's more mold spores outside, then there's more mold spores inside. Then that's normal fungal ecology. I'm like, this is insanity. You can have, you know, 10,000, 15,000 Aspergillus penicillium per cubic meter outside and 5,000 inside. And if you have 5,000 Aspergillus penicillium mold spores inside your home, I'm sorry, you're going to get sick, you're going to get headaches, and you're going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the yardstick that I go off of is per an agency called NORMI, which is a national organization of um, remediators and mold inspectors. Um, and they have like, there's zero tolerance mold spores, which are considered water damaged mold. Like they have enough moisture from uh, a leak, a drip. Uh, some sort of water intrusion issue, like stachybotrys needs 90% moisture content to start growing, similar with like catomium. And then you have um, mold spores that are considered to be dry mold that they can start growing at 60% relative humidity. Those are two different things, right? Moisture content and relative humidity are two different things. Relative humidity is the amount of water droplets in the air. Moisture content is the actual amount of moisture in the material itself. So you can have wood wood decaying fungi that starts growing at about 20% moisture content, which means it's wet. It means it's wet and you might not even touch it and feel that it's wet, but it's wet enough that mold or, you know, fungus will start growing in that material Mm. where dry molds will start growing with just humidity alone at over 60% humidity. Now, if you're under like 500 on Penasp, you're probably in an okay zone, you know, but for some somebody who's sensitive, that might not, you might just throw that datum right out the window. Okay. And then you have the overall spore count, which would be like over 2000 is considered, you know, high, or, you know, you start kind of going over 2000 on the overall spore count in the house, 2,500. But if you start hitting 10,000 on the overall spore count, definitely high. But again, this is all based off of air sampling information which might be completely inaccurate because it might not be happening at that moment in time. So what's the most mm-hmm. important test? The people test, the person test. How does the person feel in their home? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's sad that we're using worse and worse quality materials to 
it would be great if we got to a place where as we built homes, we implemented like UV lights and things and all of the AC systems and and eventually moved to a place where we we think about that as we're building every single home. That would be incredible. Yeah, Do you think we'll ever get there? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Um, unfortunately, I mean, look, I the more and more regulations is kind of can be, you know, suffocating to, to mm-hmm. some degree. But really, what is the most important thing? It's empowerment of the individual and the individual, you know, finding that knowledge that's going to help him live a safe and healthy life, you know, so the you know, and once you start on that journey, I think your eyes, uh, you start awakening to many things that are going on. And I think environmental toxicity is just one of them. And the quality of the material that we're using is one of them. And, you know, the different avenues that we can take to, you know, have a more mold-free and less toxic home, you know, and the different tools that are available to us to ensure that 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 takes place, you know, whether it's air purification, whether it's uh, dehumidification, you know, whether it's uh, cleaning habits and patterns. If you want to reduce this to the most simplest sort of important datum of all, if you want a mold-free home, keep it clean and dry. Mm-hmm. That's your most simplest, like mold-free home. If it's clean and dry, the chances of it being moldy are very minimal. So then you have to start thinking, well, where is it not dry? Well, the HVAC system is constantly wet. So how do I put a dehumidifier onto my AC system? Or where do I get a dehumidifier that I can have in the home to keep us, you know, around 50% on the relative humidity? Because mm. you don't want it too dry, because then it can dry out, you know, your, you know, nasal passage and things along those lines, you know, so like, if it's under 30% on the relative humidity, you start getting you can get sick from that in itself, you know? So there's like a, a window that you want to be at really between like 30% and 50% on the relative humidity. So then you also have to have the little hygrometers or the meters that are uh, detecting relative humidity in your home. And then you don't want to get too, you know, crazy about it where it's like, oh my God, we're at 65% relative humidity. We're going to have more. No, every every bathroom hits over 90%, 100% relative humidity every day after you shower. It's a matter of do you dry it out? You know, is it drying out and it's not staying wet? So that's mm-hmm. also a key element is knowing that, hey, don't let it sit with a lot of humidity because then the mold has a chance to start germinating and spreading its roots and start growing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for people who want to prevent mold in their home, Look into getting a dehumidifier, staying around 50% humidity. Also, you need the hydrometers to look at the humidity. And then would you add anything else or also um, maybe adding in like adding the UV lights and and that type of stuff to the air ducts? Absolutely. And look, I'll make it um, because this is a lot. I'm sure it's a little bit of a, you know, fire hose type thing. And I'm sorry for that because I, you know, I'm. I'm a little bit passionate about the subject, you know, um, but to to break it down, you can actually you your listeners can go to um, moldebook.com, hmm. moldebook.com, and there's a free download for its 15 tips for preventing mold in a humid climate, and it could be useful for any climate, really, you know, uh, in terms of 
gleaning, you know, I, after going through over, you know, 3,500 homes in Tampa Bay and kind of finding the cause of the mold that exists in these homes, you know, what can, what actions can we take to prevent mold? And then also what actions, you know, we don't really get too into what do you do once you find it, you know, because really it's not a do-it-yourself project in many cases, but the prevention aspect of it really is something that if you're educated and you're armed with knowledge, you can, you know, do a lot to prevent mold from infiltrating. Now, if something happens where let's say you have a toilet that overflows or your HVAC you know, unit overflows, then you really want to make sure that you get a professional dry out team to your house, spend the money, you know, if needed, or, you know, in some case you might need to file an insurance claim, but you got to make sure it's properly dried out. And, um, you know, that the meters are being used to make sure that it's dry because dry to the eye and touch doesn't mean that it's necessarily dry. So the, this little booklet, this pamphlet, you know, in terms of preventing mold in a humid climate, mold-free living is, I think, really a valuable resource for, for your listeners who want to make sure that they keep their, mold, their home as mold-free as possible. Okay. That's uh, such a great resource. We will put that in the show notes so everybody can just go to the show notes and click that and grab it. I want to make sure we touch on a couple more or at least one more big misconception about mold and cleaning up mold, which I've heard a lot of people try and put bleach on mold. Can you tell us why that is not a good idea? <laughs> well, first off, it, whether it's bleach or any product for mm -hmm. that matter, you know, what you're doing is you're basically agitating the colonized mold. And by agitating it, you're, you're creating a situation where it's actually going to aerosolize that mold. Mm -hmm. It's going to go into a mold explosion. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to, and bleach is, you know, toxic in itself, right? It's got, there's a toxicity aspect to it. Uh, there's a lot of water in bleach, which mold loves. And yes, it may take the color out of the mold, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's breaking it down. Mm -hmm. You know, the 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 best solution with mold is always um, removal of the actual colonization, right? So you got to find the mold in them, but most importantly, take it a step further, find the source of what's causing it. You know, so you'll get your landlords that are like, oh, here's some bleach and some kills, right? You just paint, bleach it, paint over it, and they've literally just trapped the spores, but may not have handled the water source. And now it's growing behind the paint, growing behind the wall. Uh, you know, the, the number of times that we've removed like wallpaper and found a tremendous amount of mold behind the wallpaper, I can't even tell you. You know, so it, it's really, um, bleach or any other product, you're really, all you're doing is taking like a stick and, you know, poking a hornet's nest. Mm -hmm. So if you're allergic to hornets, that could be deadly. You know, if you are not allergic to hornets, it's not going to feel good at the end of the day, you know? And sometimes the thing that I think is a huge misconception is if somebody is not getting a reaction well, you know, mold doesn't bother me. Well, maybe acutely it doesn't bother mm. you. But you're talking about, when you're talking about Alzheimer's, dementia, cancer, 
Parkinson's or things that are more slow, slowly developing issues that have not been cured yet. Well, that's a good, good sign right there that maybe they don't understand what's causing the problem in the first place. You know, that, oh, I'm not, it, mold doesn't bother me. Uh, I don't know that that's actually the case, you know. And if somebody's like, well, mold doesn't, can't have that kind of an impact. That's ludicrous that mold can have an impact on your health, right? Uh, I point out, okay, um, if you were to take LSD, does that have an impact on you? Yeah, you trip and you trip hard. Well, where does LSD come from? A mold called ergot. That's where, that's what LSD is derived from, a mold. Uh, how about if you take a bunch of magic mushrooms? How, do, how does you, <laughs> how do you feel afterwards? Oh, I'm feeling, I'm tripping. I mean, it may be good. Okay. So that type of mold, right? Uh, guess what? That's a fungus, mm -hmm. you know? How about um, the one that makes a ton of money and sells everywhere? You know, alcohol. What is that? It's fermentation, right? Mm -hmm. It's yeast, right? It's a fungus. Mm -hmm. So these are things that have the potentiality, right? These molds have the potentiality of having a huge impact on the way you feel physically. And in some cases, it may make you feel okay or good for a second, and then you don't feel great afterwards. Right. So I would really um, like to dispel the concept of people not being impacted by mold and come to realize that maybe there's a ton of information that we don't have in terms of the impact that mold can have on us and our, our physical and mental well-being. Very good points. And I think this is a, a good place to wrap up, um, unless you had any other final things that you have to get out to the public i mean look i was i was listening to some of the things that you were talking about right in mm -hmm. regards to your journey and you know having sports induced asthma and then you tell me that you lived in florida right mm -hmm. so i'm like uh could be a connection there right yeah definitely you're you could be on to something there <laughs> Um, are you open to doing a speed round? Sure. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Amazing. First thing that comes to your head. Don't stress about it. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I say flying. I don't know why, but the concept, if I'm dreaming and I can fly, you know, you can get to places that, you know, you normally can't get to really fast. And I think that makes a difference. I think the speed in which you can move and make things happen determines how successful you are. That's a huge thing for me. The mm -hmm. speed of particle flow alone determines power. I love that. What's your favorite hobby? Um, I would say photography is probably the thing that I love to do the most. And that's kind of ironic that I deal with something so nasty. But, you know, the beauty that comes along with photography, I love it. I did the New York Institute of Photography course. And second would be snowboarding. Oh, fun. What's the best purchase you made in the last year that cost you under a hundred dollars? Mm. Uh, AirPods, I guess. And that might be just a little bit above because you it's can close. actually hear people, you know, I think the ability to communicate makes a huge difference in our lives. So having clarity and communication and having noise reduction allows me to be present with that person in front of me. Mm. 
What are one to two impactful books that you've read? Jeez, um, I would say Rich Dad, Poor Dad is probably a really good one. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that the line that, you know, um, really stands out to me is the difference between being an employee and owning your own business is the difference between walking and flying. And I can say that that's true, right? Like if you really want to start empowering yourself, you're going to have to be willing to have the courage to not do the nine to five thing. And then um, second would probably be the 10X rule, right? Um, Because with Grant Cardone, because it just starts pushing Like, I don't think there's any way that I'm where I'm at today if it wasn't for that book, because some of the Mm. hurdles and obstacles that I've had to overcome in the last seven years, and especially in the last two and a half years, uh, would not have been possible if I didn't have the courage and understanding that that book helped me to develop. That's incredible. And final one, if you could leave the listeners with one tip that they could implement this week to help them live a healthier, happier life, what would that be? Make sure that your environment is as safe as possible. Your building envelope is something that you're going to be living in at least eight hours a day, if not more. So um, do your homework, do your research, empower yourself, find out what are the things that can actually bring about a more toxic home to protect you and your loved ones. because. Um, I don't care what anybody says. The big agencies don't have the care factor that you have for your own family and for your own, your own, your kids and for yourself. So you have to empower yourself and do not rely on the authorities that are pushing and approving things that can be truly damaging to your health and saying it's okay. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't believe that, You, you know, find people like you that are giving out information that are more aligned to like, let food be thy medicine, you know, or find if, if you have disease, it's my belief that you're either getting too much of something that you shouldn't be, or you're not getting enough of something that you really need. Mm-hmm. And that that would, and those things would make a huge difference in terms of your overall health and longevity and happiness and well-being. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. You're going to share where people can find you, um, how people can work with you and kind of the the area that you guys work in as well. Sure. We're in Tampa Bay. That's really our primary um, location. But, you know, we love helping. We have traveled. We've, far, we've traveled as far away as um, California, Virginia, you know, mm. Tennessee. We've definitely traveled to help people, um, you know, especially if they're looking for a health-centric mold remediation company that does understand indoor air quality as a priority. Um, You know, in terms of where they can find us and find a lot of great tips and, you know, potentially be entertained by some cute little kids as well. Cause my kids, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, they help us, you know, with the business and, you know, they understand that they, they have a role to play as well. Um, But mold dot solutions. So we do a lot of tips. My wife is a key component to the business. So she's helping on the social media creativity. So it's mold.solutions. Also Facebook. Um, it might be Mold Solutions USA on Facebook or something like that. But, you know, Mold yeah. Solutions. And then our website is moldsolutions.com. And that gives you all of our links as well. You know, so we love being in communication and, you know, replying to people that um, are looking for some help. You know, we're here to serve and we're here to help. That's really, 
I think if you're in the service industry, it's something that you really need to understand that you're there to help people and serve people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes and thank you again for coming on and giving so much valuable information. I, I honestly really, really enjoyed this episode and really appreciated it. Absolutely. I, I mean, look, I love what you're doing and, you know, the type of content that you're putting out there. So uh, I'm honored to be on your show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brendan. Thank you for tuning in to the Natural Health Rising podcast. I hope you found this episode informative and left you feeling empowered to take control of your health naturally. As a reminder, the information provided in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness or medical condition. Please consult with a qualified healthcare professional before making any changes to your diet, exercise routine, supplements, or medical treatment. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Comments and ratings help the show reach more people so that they too can level up their health and entire life holistically. I really appreciate your support and feedback. Before I go, I want to remind you that I work with clients virtually all over the world. So if you are searching for a functional medicine provider to help you uncover the root cause of your health issues and have support and guidance in healing your body through nutrition and lifestyle changes, then you can book a free health consultation with me by using the link in the show notes and we can talk about working together. Thanks for listening and keep striving to become your healthiest, happiest self.